Fantastic. So that is the last time that you're going to be watching that video. If uh, you are joining us for the first time, we are in our final installment on a series on habits. Uh, We've been trying to take a look at some of the sort of thinking and philosophy behind habits as well as uh, unpack some sort of very practical areas. We haven't unpacked all the different areas that we can focus on as far as habits go, but we have tried to tackle some that we believe are, are critical to just our overall health and and wholeness and and living the life that God's called us to live. The reason that we have started this year off with a series on habits, if you uh, were with us near the beginning, you will remember me making or rather quoting a statement from Gary Keller where he says that people do not decide their futures, they decide their habits and their habits decide their futures. So most of us um, hopefully start the year off with great intentions and we have great hopes um, but very often our, our habits kind of tend to take over. And so we, we have these default habits. One way or another, we have habits. They're either intentional, strategic habits that we've prioritized, or they are habits that we've just allowed to kind of develop in our lives and we're not really controlling them. And so the reason that we're trying to encourage uh, you to take a look at your habits is because the future that you want to develop um, is either going to be achieved or we're going to fail. Not so much dependent on our hopes, but dependent on on our habits. And so uh, right near the beginning, we took a look at some um, sort of three key questions that we wanted people to think through. Things like who God wants us to become, what God wants us to believe, and how God wants us to behave, or what God wants us to do. Kind of three key questions that I think should help uh, influence and direct our lives And so I'm hoping, for those of you that have been with us for the last few weeks, and by the way, if you haven't, I'd encourage you to go and download the podcast for free or go onto our website, you can listen to it for free. Um, If you uh, you have been with us for the last while, then I'm hoping that somewhere along the line, please, in Jesus' name, that you have gotten some clarity on some goals, uh, some hopes, but also some habits where you've actually committed to, or at least one habit where you've committed to trying to implement something into your life. And again, if you started doing this near the beginning of the series, then chances are, if you're like the rest of us, then you will have experienced that it's not as easy as you hoped it would be. Anybody found that, that great intentions and, and putting, putting, putting habits into place that, that in, spite of, in spite of all this great planning that life still tends to happen? Anyone experience that? And we, we, we tend to get just a little bit disappointed. It's like, I'm trying, you know, I was, going to, I was going to work out on Monday morning. And then you wake up with a cough, right? Or, or something happens and you just can't go that day. And I don't mean that facetiously. I mean, seriously, like stuff happens. Life happens. You, you, you plan to get your finances in check. We had a great message last Sunday from Sven on finances. And then like something breaks that you didn't plan on breaking. You know, it's like, oh, really? Like, I'm trying to climb out of the pit, and I just feel like it's being dug deeper. I want to encourage you as seriously as I can with, 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 I believe, honestly, the weight of God, the weight of the Bible. I want to encourage you to persevere. I want to encourage you to hang in there. Uh, you might remember that quote from Craig Rochelle where he says that successful people, or I would say healthy people, whole people, people that are, that, that are continuing to heal, successful people, he says, do consistently. That's the only difference. They do consistently what other people do occasionally. And he's not saying what losers do, what slackers do. He's saying what other people, like just the rest, normal people, the, the ordinary, the rest of us, whatever people do consistently, that's what's going to produce long-term 
health. And so I really do want to encourage you to hang in there, to persevere. Don't lose sight of that area where you're wanting to see growth. And don't be intimidated if you're not tackling 17 areas. In fact, I would caution you to tackle as few as possible. You'll have far more chance of actually succeeding if you'll kind of hone in that focus. In fact, and we should have a photo of this, um, I read recently that one of the reasons why uh, lion tamers, and I don't, know if you, I don't even know if they do this in the circus anymore, but, but, but there, was a, there was a time, there was an era where, where, where lion tamers would, would somehow control the lion in the circus, and, and, and I never thought about this before, I always thought it was almost to protect them, which is dumb, but, but they would always have this chair in front of them, and it actually always had four legs to the chair, and apparently the the thinking behind this and the psychology behind this is that the, the lion wouldn't know which of the four legs to focus on. And so it would actually be so distracted, um, you know, going from leg to leg to leg to leg to leg to leg, that it became paralyzed um, by, by indecision, by a lack of focus. And so the lion tamer, who's much weaker than the lion, was able to tame something much stronger by just simp simply keeping it distracted. And I want to suggest to you that we have an enemy. In fact, I'm not suggesting. I mean, the Bible tells us that we have an enemy who actually prowls around like a roaring lion. And I think that one of his greatest tools in the 21st century is the four-legged stool. You, with God, you're actually more powerful. You might, you might not believe that, but, but the Bible tells us that if we're following him, if we have a relationship with him, then, then, then actually uh, he who is with us is far greater than he who is against us. So, 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 so we actually are on the winning side but we can, land up, we can land up being deceived and discouraged because we're so distracted by, by everything that we're trying to do, by trying to be all things to all people and trying to get everything done and trying to be amazing at everything and being average at almost nothing. So it's not a bad thing to actually narrow the focus. So the idea that I'm wanting to get across as we wrap this series up, the, the thing that I think will help us to actually, to actually persevere, to get to the end of 2019 and not start over from complete scratch in the exact same area in 2020. So, so the thing that's going to help us to remain consistent, the thing that's going to help us to, to persevere, I believe, is this very simple word called rhythm, where we actually commit to rhythms of spending and recovering energy. We have limited energy. We have limited willpower. Our willpower is finite. It's like a muscle. There is a limit to our willpower. And that's why sometimes we get so discouraged when we're trying to will ourselves to overcoming 17 different bad habits. But we've only got enough willpower and energy to like maybe tackle one or two or three at the most. And even then, I think, I think maybe we're being optimistic. And that, I, don't want, I don't mean that to discourage you. I'm saying, no, no, let me encourage you that actually God, God in His grace... I think wants to lead us as we prioritize, and we've spoken about this idea of a keystone habit that has a knock-on effect, and even that video for me is still, it's the best uh, visual image I've seen of the idea of small, consistent habits, how eventually it pays off great dividends. So we, we, if we will embrace this idea of rhythms, where, so where we spend energy, so we exert energy, we, we work hard, we we give out to people. We, we give of ourselves. We give creatively, socially, financially, uh, emotionally, spiritually. We, 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 we spend, but we also recover. 
We exert ourselves, but we also take time to rest because rest is a gift from God. Rest is actually, um, it's a gracious gift to us that we don't land up feeling like slaves being driven by a slave master. No, no, we're actually sons and daughters of the Most High God. And he says, you're, you're, you're a human being before you're a human doing. And I think, this is my personal opinion, that most of the time, especially amongst evangelical, Protestant, whatever you want to call it, modern day, especially westernized, activistic Christians, is that I think that our faith looks more like that of slaves that, that feel like we have to prove ourselves and, and, and do more and achieve more and produce and perform as opposed to actually having a revelation of grace and living in the rhythms of grace. In fact, the message version puts a particular passage in Matthew 11 that I'll, I'll read to you later on from the New Living Translation, the, this passage where Jesus invites us to come to him, to, to have him teach us because he's gentle and, and kind, and, and he'll give us rest, etc. In the message version, it actually talks about, it puts that verse like this. It talks about learning the unforced rhythms of grace. There, there is a grace that God offers us. And unless we realize that we have limits, which I know we don't really want to, you know, we, we don't want to accept that we have limits, but, but, but that's not bad news. It's actually quite releasing. It's quite liberating when we realize that, hey, guys, it's okay. God knows what he's put in you. He knows what academic ability is given to you. He knows what personality is given to you. So he's not asking a, a, a super introverted person to live life like a crazy, uh, overly extroverted person. He's saying, no, 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 you have limits. You're, you, you're going to live slightly differently. Someone that is super extroverted is going to feel like they're having their, their teeth pulled if they have to live super introverted. Well, no, no, God's saying you've got different limits. And so he wants us to work within appropriate limits. That doesn't mean that we don't stretch ourselves. There are seasons of stretching, but then there have to be seasons of recovery. Some of you know this when it comes to, to exercise and developing your fitness. You, you, have to, you have to exert yourself extraordinarily. Or if you want to build muscle, you have to actually, you have to actually resist. You, you have to do resistance training that, that, that actually stretches and builds muscle, but it's actually in the recovery that your muscle is actually being built. You don't, you don't do the same hardcore weight training the next day. You'll, you'll, you'll fatigue. You're not going to actually develop the muscle that you're trying to develop. So it's actually a gift to recognize appropriate limits. John Maxwell says that people that burn the candle on both ends are not as bright as they think they are. I love that. Next time you see someone burning the candle by the end, you're not as bright as you think you are. Um, we, need to, we need to be okay with, with these limits. Um, the idea in responding to limits is actually to live with margin. Richard Swenson is, is not just a doctor, he's actually a physician, so he's a specialist, and he wrote a book on margin, and he defines margin as the space that exists between our load and our limits. That's all margin is. It's just the space that exists between our load and our limits. So, 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 where you, so where you have a certain academic load or you have a certain workload or you have a certain family load where, where, where it takes things out of you, margin is where you know what is required of you, the weight that you have to carry and your limits so that you know where you're actually resting and recovering. 
fire burns because of the space between logs. It is the space in soil that allows the seed to take root and to receive water and nutrition. It is actually the space between the notes that makes music. Music isn't just one constant chord or key. Can you imagine if you went to a concert and the keyboardist or even the guitarist or whatever, they put some, you know, they, they use the, the extra effects and all you hear is, Imagine, right? You'd go mad. But some of us live like that. We just live in this one chord, and we wonder why our marriage, like it feels, it almost feels annoying. Or why someone in your family wants to swatch you like a mosquito because all they're hearing is <laughs> Or why school feels like it's just this pain, or why work it feels, feels like it's crushing you because, because we're, so don't blame anybody else, we're not living with rhythm. And what we land up doing is the way that we pursue God's will in our lives actually restricts God's will from our lives. So the way that, that, that we're actually trying to go about His will, it's actually stopping His will from taking place in our lives. Or the way Andy Stanley puts it is that we override the principles of God while trying to achieve the purposes of God. So you can want to be financially secure, but the way you go about it, where you work 120 hour weeks, actually cuts God right out of the picture, and it destroys relationships, and it destroys your health, and it tanks you emotionally, and, and, and you're trying to find this financial freedom, which, which God very likely wants you to have, but the way that we're going about it. And so I want to encourage you as you, as you tackle the next 10 months of 2019, to be very, very careful that the way that you go about the will of God actually facilitates the will of God taking place in your life. I can't tell you how, how much it burdens me to think that, that some of us are going to, maybe, unless we do something dramatic and we persevere and we're consistent and we don't give up and we keep, keep getting back up and fighting the same fight, that for some of us, we're going to be in the exact same place five years from now. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially, relationally. Would you be bothered if you were, if you were your pastor? Because I am. It burdens me when I see people and, and, and I'm thinking, I don't know if there's actually been any change over the last couple of years. And, and I, I can't take full responsibility for that, but, but I, I care. Like, it burdens me. And so, and so I am actually pleading with you to persevere. I'm pleading with you to hang in there. Your life is worth fighting for. Your future is worth fighting for. I'm not trying to, I'm not just trying to give you hype and inspire you and, and get you all, oh, I'm saying, no, no. These are very practical steps that we can take in our lives and, and Christian character is built through perseverance, hanging in there, getting back up again. But the only way for us to do that is if we actually accept the need for rhythms in our lives where we accept limits, where we create appropriate margin 
and where we allow ourselves to live in the ebb and flow, the rhythms of exerting, so spending and recovering energy. The, the alternative is scary. Some of you would be familiar with, with um, an incredible uh, innovator, scientist, whatever you want to call it, Elon Musk. Um, he's, the, he's the guy that uh, Iron Man's character in the, is, is it Marvel? movies, okay, is based on where, where he, he, is, he is a genius. In my opinion, he'll probably go down in human history as far as innovation and that type of thing goes. Originally from South Africa, um, uh, kind of spent probably the last couple of decades in the States um, helping found companies like PayPal, Tesla, uh, SpaceX. They're doing incredible things, incredible things actually. Um, in my opinion, at least, at least as far as world news goes, probably the only person that I feel like I see more news about is Donald Trump, and that's not normally great news. But, but, but he's in the news a lot. Um, yesterday, again, they launched a rocket. They, they are, they are, they are, they're doing incredible things. They're, they're trying to create an underground speed highway in Los Angeles. The guy is innovative. But he'll talk about how he works 120-hour weeks, that's 17 and a half to 18 hours a day, seven days a week. How, how the only way to sleep when he tries to sleep is through medication. How, how he, he gets so, um, uh, so he, he used a different word, but so slammed on caffeine that actually starts to lose his peripheral vision. He's been married three times. His kids, when they're around him, when he is with them, is so focused on his, on his work that, that he says they have to shout two or three times loud before they'll get his attention. I'm just saying, in my opinion, you can achieve everything. You can go down in human history. But when your relationships are, are almost non-existent, when, 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 when who you are as a person, so where, so where I'm more concerned with what I get done and, and what history is going to say about me than, than who I become. Guys, we're paying, we're, paying, we're paying with our soul. You are paying a tragically high price for what? And, and I'm not saying that he, I'm not suggesting, by the way, for a moment that he's doing any of this for a claim. I actually think he is a genius. I think he has an outrageous mind for what, for what could be. I just think that he's living beyond his limits. A New York Times uh, article at the end of last year um, actually commented how, that, that, he, that he kind of got emotional, broke down several times in the hour-long interview, um, talking about how last year, he's only 47 now, so I guess he was 46 at the time, and for some of you that sounds old. It's not. I don't know how he can carry on at this pace, by the way. But, but again, he had, he had a bit of an emotional breakdown a few times just in that hour-long thing, talking about how last year was the most excruciating year in his career, and, and there's several stories. I'm just trying to explain that, that you can tackle what you want to get done, but God really cares about who we become. And the, guys, there's, the Bible itself says, what is it worth to gain the whole world but lose your soul? And for many of us, the temptation isn't the whole world. It's just a certain lifestyle, or it's a certain type of fame, or it's a certain type of experience. And I'm saying, what if God wants to give that to you, but give it to you His way? You know what's ironic? 
is that I think in my own life, I mean, it's, I'm preaching this to you because this is something I've been trying to work on and improve for years, and, and it's still a challenge for me. It is, it is amazing to me how sometimes I feel like God is trying to get me to believe Him that He can do more in five or six days than what I can do in seven or eight days. And there are times where I will override those limits. And, 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 and I was actually reminded of this just recently where very similar to the story of the Israelites in the wilderness where God provided manna. And he said, uh, like, I'm going to provide every day. So only take as much as you need for today. And if you take more, it's going to get rotten. So what do they do? They take more than they need for today. And what happens? It goes fraught. And on the sixth day, he says, I'm going to provide more and you can take twice as much so that you don't have to collect on the seventh day. What do they do? They take more. In fact, in fact there's, there's, there's actually a part where it says that, that, that those that took less had enough and those that took more had enough. Guys, I'm just trying to get this idea across that, that when we're trying to do it in God's limits, when we're living according to His rhythms that He's created for us. So, so one of His rhythms, for example, I, I honestly do believe, and this is, this sounds so weird in a modern day context, but one of the principles I believe is a weekly Sabbath. Where at least one day out of seven, you're not doing any work, paid or unpaid. Even, even in Exodus 20, where he gives the Ten Commandments, the longest commandment is actually around this idea of rest, of taking a Sabbath. I think that the, that the slave mentality, the work at all costs, the, like, in other words, all that I'm good for is performing and producing, was so deep into the Israelites that God actually had to create, he actually had to make a law with, with consequences attached so that he could actually change that, that rock-solid mentality of I'm a slave, I'm a servant, that's all I'm good for. I, as, if, if I'm not producing, I'm not worth anything. And it's amazing how thousands of years later it is still a dilemma for many Christians where we find it very hard to, to have a free day and, and, and see it as a gift from God where where we can actually have fun and enjoy it and delight and, and appreciate it. Like, what? You mean I can just enjoy music? I don't have to perform? You mean I can just enjoy nature or I can enjoy a walk? I don't have to actually run and get exercise? Where you can actually just delight, where, where if you want to paint, it's not because you have to, or because, it's because you want to. It's, it's, it's delight. What do you mean I'm allowed to just enjoy it? If that's hard for you to understand... That should tell you something about our relationship with God. God wants us to live within limits, and not just once a week. Our daily rhythms can either, keep, can either help us be healthy by the time we get to a weekly Sabbath, or we can be so smashed that we have no energy to do what's actually good for us. So for me, the things that I need to do that I know is going to actually re replenish me and refresh me, it actually requires energy. I can't get to a day off, to a Sabbath, exhausted and smashed and miserable. So, so it actually affects how we spend the rest of our week, what our days look like. Just in case anyone's panicking about, about the idea of, of, well, like, Jason, are you encouraging us to be lazy? No. Take a look at, and there's several scriptures, but just one of them is in Proverbs Chapter 6, verse uh, 6 to 11, it says, Take a lesson from the ants, you la lazy bones. So, so, by the way, like if you're lazy, then ignore everything I've said to you. Okay? The part that you need to hear from the rhythms is the work part. 
Okay, that's the spend part. No, no, because the reality is, if you're not working, if you're not putting effort in, and if you're at school, well, then school is your work. If, you, if you're, if you're a, a, a stay-at-home parent, or if you're retired, um, there's, still, there's still stuff to get done. Like, like there's still responsibility. It's not, this isn't about paid, unpaid. It's life. It's, it's our responsibilities. So, so, so make no mistake. That sound is not just if people are working nonstop. That's also if all I'm doing is vegging nonstop. Like, if I'm living a lazy life, I'm going to atrophy. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? I know some of you are hearing your parents right now. When will you wake up? You're definitely hearing your parents. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands, and poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. So make no mistake, the Bible is not encouraging laziness. It encourages rhythms. Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, and the master represents God, gives um, excuse me, different uh, uh, quantities of money to three different servants. The first two are faithful. The third one just buries it. And the master's response is hectic. Like it's hectic. I don't even like reading it in church. That's how hectic I think it is. You go read, you go read the, the second of the three uh, parables in Matthew 25. You'll, you'll see what I mean. It's hectic. In the message version, the one, uh, the one verse is put like this. Why, why did you do less than the least? At least you could have just put it into the bank to, to earn some money. Make no mistake, God wants us to take responsibility for what we have in our lives. That's the one side. So, so laziness is the one extreme, okay? The other extreme is to work nonstop as though we're slaves and God is a slave master. Look at what Psalm 127 verse 2 says. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning, so this is obviously going to the other extreme, until late at night, Anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Nothing is made to produce constantly. Leviticus 25 talks about how even the soil, so the land, even, even had to be allowed to rest every seven years. And some of you might know that, that, that the nutrients within soil actually needs time to replenish but not anymore because we're so clever. In 2019, we can just genetically modify stuff. We can, just, we can just put stuff on steroids. We can speed up whatever we need to, right? We don't, we don't need rhythms. We don't need seasons. We can, we can pump all kinds of stuff into, and it looks better. Anyone ever notice how, how the fake stuff, so, so, so how the non-organic food can look better than the organic food? You're like, why am I going to buy the organic stuff when the non-organic stuff looks so much healthier? Hey, it's just, anyway, it's deceptive. I'm going to get a more hobby yours. <laughs> By the way, so, some of you may be familiar with um, quite a well-known marathon runner in South Africa by the name of, of Wally Haywood. He actually won the Comrades Marathon at the age of 21. An incredible story if you have time to, to Google it and, and find it. But he also ran and completed the Comrades Marathon again at the age of 79, and the age of 80. I think we'll have a photo up any moment. At the age of 79, he completed 
uh, the Comrades Marathon. Guys, 79 ahead of half the pack. Okay? Anyway, that's all just for free. That's interesting. The point I want to make about Wally Haywood, and there's, there's, there's lots that you could say about the man, is that when he became, uh, when he turned professional as a runner, so to, so to go professional means that you're getting sponsored, so you're now actually earning a living from your sport. You don't have to work a normal sort of eight to five job in a five or six days a week. Um, people assumed and asked him about it that he would have more time to train. He was like, uh-uh, I'm going to have more time to rest. He couldn't train anymore. But isn't it interesting that our mindset is that, hey, if you've got extra time, like surely you're going to train harder. And he knew the wisdom. He knew the science. He, knew, he, he understood rhythms. No, 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 no. I don't need to train any harder. I train hard already. I need to rest more. He understood this incredible balance of spending and recovering energy. And my suggestion to you is that if you want to get to the end of 2019 and not be smashed and not be living on fumes and, and financially you're in a better place than what you were at the beginning of 2019 and relationally you're in a better place than where you were at the beginning of 2019 and spiritually you feel, you feel a greater peace, a greater confidence with God, you feel closer to God, it's going to be because we have persevered, we've done, we've committed to that habit consistently and, and the way that we've allowed for that, that, that we've strengthened that, is by actually living with healthy rhythms of spending and recovering energy. And spending and recovering energy. We've, we've come to peace with our limits. We've come to peace with the fact that we actually need margin. We stop feeling guilty about margin. And we actually live within the rhythms that God has created for us. Last passage I want to read to you is Matthew 11. Verse 28. I, verse 28, I just want you to get the heart of God. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants to give us rest. Take my yoke upon you. So there is a yoke, okay? Again, we're not saying it's like just chill out and you know, drink tequila and Smokes a glass for the rest of your life. No, no. There's, there, there, is a, there is a yoke, but take on his yoke. He says, let me teach you. Look at this. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. I wonder how many of us think of God as, as, as humble and gentle. He's constructive. He's, he's, his instructions, his correction, even his rebukes are life-giving. And you will find rest for your souls. Guys, what God offers is rest on a whole nother level. He offers rest at a, at a depth that, that in spite of circumstances, in spite of storms, in spite of what's going on around us, in spite of, in spite of challenges, and they will come, and there will be surprises, and there'll be things that threaten to derail you, and you, you'll still have an enemy. But in spite of all of that, all of that, we can actually find rest for our souls, rest on the deepest level. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. It's the easy yoke and the light burden. I've got to tell you, if, if, if I ever heard this growing up, 
I didn't pay attention. Because I, I feel like this is, I, I feel like this is so new. I, I feel like this is, like this has never been the message <laughs> that, that, that I was kind of exposed to as a young adult, as an older adult, as a, as a teenager. It was just work harder, do more, perform more, and there's place for that. That's not incorrect. You have, guys, God is worth giving our very best. There are going to be times where you are going to sacrifice, where you are going to dig deep. There are going to be times where it's going to cost you. Absolutely. That's not a problem. There are times where we need some fathering. It's like, suck it up, princess. Dig deep. Work hard. But it's never going to destroy your soul. He knows our limits, and he knows what he can, what, he, what he's requiring of us, what he's asking for of us. I want to encourage you that when it is his yoke, it is actually easy to bear. And when it is his burden, and when I say easy, I mean relatively speaking. And when it's his burden, it's actually a light burden. Just before we pray, I want to encourage you, if you have any extra margin, to, and you want to kind of dig into this just a little bit deeper, there's a great book. You don't have to even read the whole book. I think you can just Google like a summary or something on this book called Sacred Rest by Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith, where the, the, the part that I really enjoyed about this book is that she actually talks about seven different types of rest. So it's not just sleep, or it's not just physical rest, it's not just emotional rest. And, and even when it comes to physical rest and emotional rest, some of the, some, she's a doctor, by the way, so some of the things that she pointed out about it, I was like, wow, that's actually very interesting, very insightful. Um, I would encourage you to take a look at it. Um, even things like, like, like she'll talk about one of the seven rests is sensory rest. Where, where she talks about just why and how desperately we need a break from our digital devices. By the way, countries like China and South Korea, they, they're starting to move away from using screens as much as they are. And, and I mean, those are two of the probably the most advanced nations on the earth when it comes to technology. They're actually starting to, to, to use it less in schools because of the effects that they're starting to pick up on these things. Some of us think, if I can just fall asleep, well, then I'm getting rest. And she'll explain why, why you can actually have bad sleep. And again, it's, it's because we're not getting the mental rest that we need. So when, we, so when we're falling asleep, we, we haven't actually rested mentally where we've, where we've allowed ourselves to unclutter. And, and we're, based on Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9, if we're not focusing on and meditating on what is good and true and lovely and, and, and holy... It's very interesting. She talks about creative rest. And again, I'm thinking, okay, you want me to go paint something? You want me to go and smell roses? Like, what's creative rest? And, and just the way she actually explains that if you're, if you're in a responsibility where you are constantly problem solving, that's, that's a form of creativity, where you're constantly having to create solutions to problems. If you're constantly putting out fires, then you're actually needing a rest from problem solving. You, 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 you actually need some white space is, which is what corporate leaders, uh, you know, the, the, the term that they use. Or with that sensory, uh, you know, exhaustion, if, you, you know, if you're working in environments that are constantly very, uh, very, very uh, noisy, how, how desperately our bodies actually just crave some recovery with, with just a bit more peace, a bit more silence. Like you don't want to put your headphones on and blast the music, you know, again as you go home. Like you're actually just needing some, some quiet space and fresh air and I don't know. It's just, it's just so, so, so interesting. And again, it's just practical. It gives us practical steps.